Hello, it's Thursday, September the 28th, and you're listening to Area 45, a Hoover Institution podcast examining the policy avenues available to the 45th President of the United States. I'm Bill Whalen, a Hoover Research Fellow. Joining me in studio today, here on the Stanford University campus, Dr. Timothy Kane, the Hoover Institution's J.P. Conte Fellow in Immigration Studies. Tim, good to see you. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. Tim's here at Stanford wrapping up an immigration survey he's been working on. It's scheduled to be released in mid-October in an event at Hoover's D.C. office, and that's when this podcast will be coming out some point in October, close to that event. But we're taping this now because I've got Tim here cornered at the Hoover (laughs) office, and I wanted to talk about this poll. So, Tim, let's jump into it. You have done a survey. You did this through YouGov. Uh, You did this uh, with the assistance, the guidance of senior fellows David Brady and Doug Rivers, and you've got the things in front of you. Before we get into the data itself, let me kind of walk you through something which I think is curious about the topic of immigration in this regard. I used to love reading The New Republic, and they used to have a section in the beginning in which they would show conflicting headlines of newspapers. You know, they'd have the New York Times saying sun rises in the east and the Washington Post saying sun rises in the west and so forth. And yeah. so they just kind of show how the media sometimes confuse and twist things. I did some digging on immigration headlines the past year, Tim, and here's what I found. A Politico headline August the 9th, quote, voters support Trump-backed immigration bill. Here's a CNN headline based on a poll they did back in March, quote, Americans break with Trump on immigration policy. Here's a CBS headline based on a poll they did in February. Tim, quote, immigration is important is an important problem for Trump and Congress. Here's a Washington Times poll uh, story, Tim, from February the 8th, quote, immigration anger of Americans skewed by polling. Subhead, most media surveys are designed to favor amnesty. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a lot of confusion, I think, over this topic. But you have now done a poll on immigration. So let's talk about what you found specifically. What is What is the headline coming out of your poll? Oh, gosh. I got really frustrated with these polls, too, Bill, which is uh, why I, as, a, as an economist who cares about the nuts and bolts, wanted to get past the superficial headline grabbers and, and do something that's not about the headlines. But I think the, if, if there's one thing I could come out of this I was surprised by, and I've got to say David Brady was surprised, is that in spite of the election of Donald Trump, the numbers about things like do you favor more or less or the same amount of immigration haven't changed that much. Uh, and there's one finding in particular where we verbatim copied some language from a Pew poll about uh, if Americans favored more ethnic diversity and thought that was something that strengthened the country. And it turns out Americans are much more favorable and tolerant of diversity and see it as a strength of this country than any other country that Pew polled. In fact, two, three, four times more favorable toward immigration than Britain or France or these other places around the world. So the notion that this is a mean-spirited America, it's not true of Democrats or Republicans. I thought that was very heartening. But the point is that hasn't changed since Donald Trump's elected. So I think the big story I'd like to say, and it confirms what I really thought I'd find is, Politicians have hijacked this debate. Uh, the American people are really hungry for a compromise and a consensus. Right. Gallup has been asking a question going back to 2001, asking Americans, do you think immigration is a good thing or a bad thing? In 2001, 62% said good, 31% said bad. In June of 2017, 71% said good, 23% said bad. Yeah. 
There, there, there you go. I mean, we are a nation of immigrants, and we can be a nation of immigrants and a nation of laws. The American people get that. So it's a really interesting question. Why are politicians not, not doing that? It must be something in their interest to stir the pot and use this as a wedge issue, which I would like to, uh, to see defeated. Okay, let's go through this poll point by point. Point number one, 44% of the American public thinks that immigration should be increased or kept at its present level, whereas 40% think it should be decreased. Right. Surprised? No. And the great thing is that was is completely in line with the question that's been asked for decades. I think that one was uh, from Gallup. So we wanted to mirror that, make sure our results are, are, you know, these are still the same American people. Now, that number did flip uh, earlier to become actually quite more favorable. So when you see, I think, 16% said increase, um, that number used to be in the single digits for a long time, and it hasn't gone back down. So... Uh, you know, that is probably the harshest response. And, Bill, when we looked at individuals, uh, and we would get into this later, seeing if they would favor, say, Europeans over Africans or people from Muslim countries, we really didn't find that. The preferences for neutrality or an increase in specific subgroups, not to uh, decrease or punish anyone. Okay. Second point I found interesting about this poll. At a time when we're having a controversy over taking a knee in front of the American flag and what sort of society we are, according to your poll, Tim, Americans express highly tolerant attitudes more positive about racial and ethnic diversity than any country in Europe. Yeah, and, and I think um, that surprised me when I first saw it. I wanted to confirm with my own poll uh, that we would find that, and I don't think it's going to change. Um, we are, I, I think, what has it been said? The exceptional country. And if you wonder why, what makes America exceptional, it really is this issue of we all know that we're immigrants here and that e pluribus unum, we should come together. Uh, and in my opinion, we should respect the flag because it's got that diversity in it. It's got 13 different stripes. It's got 50 different stars. But together, we stand stronger than any country in the world. Okay, point number three, general attitudes toward immigration. You found that Democrats more so than Republicans were more of an outlier in their welcoming attitudes. Let's right. explain that a little bit. So you said more so in terms of age income or ethnic cohorts. Yeah, so uh, Dave Brady had an idea to use a question that he'd asked in a previous poll in 2015 using a seven-point scale. You know, your attitude, are you, more, are you the kind of person that would be a one who would want to be more welcoming and help people integrate, or a seven where you want to encourage people to leave who, who aren't from here? And... Uh, Democrats tend to slam up against the one and two, mm -hmm. and it wasn't always that way. Bernie Sanders, you know, comes from that wing of the old Democratic Party that represented unions that was actually kind of hostile to immigrants. The modern Democratic Party, this is now a litmus test issue. You have to be pro-immigration or you're kicked out of the party. James Holman at the Washington Post wrote about that recently. Whereas Republicans, you actually see an even spread across one through seven. So there are some libertarian conservatives that are very welcoming to immigration. And then you have the hardliners like Jeff Sessions. Um, but there's a really even spread among Republicans. I thought that was a kind of a shocking contrast. Point number four, the benefits and burdens of immigrants. You pushed your respondents on what are seen as negatives coming out of legal immigration or what the public might perceive as negatives. So you pushed them on the topic of welfare benefits. Yep. You push them on the idea of immigrants taking jobs from legal residents. You push them on the idea of illegal immigrants deflating wages for American workers. Right. What surprised you? So 
I was so happy to do this survey because of this question, because I've read a lot of opinion polls about Americans and immigration, and there's a question that's been around, do you see immigrants as more of a benefit or a burden? And this really is where the hot political rhetoric, too, is. They're coming into this country, and they're taking in jobs, and they're working for And I I hear a list of issues. That question has never been asked, so we did it. We said, okay, not just do you think of them as a benefit or burden, but what are the burdens? What are the potential problems? And as you point out, when we force people to, to rate these things individually, uh, using welfare benefits is, a, is the number one concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was 33% of the respondents said that was, they thought about that a great deal. Another 21% said a fair amount. Um, in contrast, things like lowering property values or voting in U.S. elections, there were some concerns, but they didn't rise to that level. So the number two concern, though, was taking jobs from U.S. workers. And surprisingly, that's the one concern that stood out for Democrats. Right, so you see that Bernie Sanders union group again worried right. about taking jobs, but the rest of it not so much. So, uh, but the, probably the biggest surprise is I didn't find a lot of differentiation. Unfortunately, if somebody doesn't like immigration, they're kind of against. They see all these things as problems uh, generally, and if they think immigration's good, they see the benefits all as beneficial. Okay, now what I thought was the most interesting part of this poll, and that you delved into the scarlet A of immigration, which is amnesty. <laughs> And what you asked voters, I thought this was a really smart approach. You asked the people polled, what do you think amnesty is? Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can't really have a debate in Washington, D.C., and you've been there. You, you, you know, go out and have drinks with folks and say, okay, what about immigration? And they'll be, you know, our friends who are, are right wing will start just saying amnesty about everything. And, and right. I said, well, what is amnesty? Turns out. of Americans agree that if you grant citizenship to an illegal alien, that's amnesty. Mm -hmm. But if you grant them legal status, okay, Mm -hmm. how about that? That's basically what DACA did. It doesn't deport and it doesn't give any citizenship. Lets people come here and work, not get welfare benefits. Uh, 70% of Americans do not think that's amnesty. So if the president and Congress are looking for a compromise and they don't want to grant amnesty, legal status is the answer. Okay, so so Americans are more warm to the idea of pathway to citizenship than just an instant dubbing on the shoulders saying, Absolutely. To yeah, pathway to citizenship is a way to square the circle. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure you can convince enough Republicans to get that into a bill. I think they're going to try to do that with, with some of the uh, legislation that's in the works. But I've, I've for a long time thought pathway to citizenship still says citizenship in it. Right. Deportation nobody really wants. But I don't hear enough talk about legal status because that's a compromise. And the politicians, I'm afraid, would rather not compromise and fight. And so I've always thought the pathway to citizenship language is a bit of a democratic Trojan horse. That does tie into the next topic, though, which is legal immigration. And your poll does two very clever things here. First of all, you asked people to, in effect, design what legal immigrants you want to come to this country in terms of skills, language, work preparation, and so forth. And then secondly, you ask the question that most people probably don't want to approach, but you ask the question of what about legal immigration for people coming from Muslim nations? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I I wanted to test. Again, I'm I'm looking to see if that that notion of a Muslim ban, as it's been called, um, is something the American people want. And um, so we kind of snuck it in there. We asked about different groups the most popular group, we saw 47% of respondents wanted to see an increase of immigrants that have labor skills that will help American companies grow. Um, another 40, 42% said be neutral to that group. So not many people were actually opposed to workers. The least popular group was people from Muslim countries. But again, 
50% of Americans wanted to be neutral towards Muslims, and another 13% said actually increase those numbers. So I was actually, Bill, I was heartened by that. Um, I thought we'd find more hostility, and, and really we just didn't. Now, the Trump administration has told Congress that it wants to limit refugee admissions to about 45,000 people in the fiscal year, which is about a 50% reduction. So yep. how does that relate to what you found in your polls? I, I think it's a mistake. The, I think the president's calls to cut numbers of immigration and refugees are legal immigrants. Um, we've got a long history of, of being open to refugees. And, and I think the black guys in our history are, for example, the uh, uh, Jews trying to escape the Holocaust. Boats were turned away. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't like the idea of cutting refugees. And I didn't find evidence to support that. In fact, we ask a question, how would you change the mix Right. of immigration. What the president's called for a merit-based system. Well, right now we've got a huge percentage of our immigrants uh, are through family reunification. So mm -hmm. if you've got an uncle or a, or a nephew, that, that ultimately that's what is pejoratively called right. chain migration. Unlike every other country in the world uses some sort of a merit-based or a point system. The American people would like to shift more towards economic immigrants that come in with merit-based, but they actually wanted to see a higher percentage, not a lower percentage, a higher percentage of refugees brought in legally. So I think that, that cut is is a bit of a tone-deaf mistake, frankly. But does Trump have something of a safe haven, Tim, if he keeps putting us in the context of refugees from Syria, from Muslim countries that don't maybe have vetting that could come here, could tie yep. terrorism and so forth? Yeah, it, it, there are, you know, north of 40 countries in the world that are Muslim-majority. The president identified Iran and six failed states. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a failed state ban. Um, not a Muslim ban. And I think the mistake was he can't get away from his campaign rhetoric in the judicial system with some very liberal judges want to keep dredging that up. But law says the president has complete prerogative over refugees. And um, so, you know, I, I think we need to respect his authority to make these decisions. I would just use our podcast here as we talk about it to say, I think I was on, the president's on strong ground when he talks about security, when he does talk about banning people from failed states, not refugees from other countries. Right. Okay. You threw policy reforms into this survey. You gave your respondents 14 reforms to <laughs> offer their opinions on. We're not yeah. going to go into all 14 here. Uh, the big winner was E-Verify, right? Right. And can I, can, can we back up and say, uh, we were having a conversation before you started the record button on mm -hmm. this. The uh, who's the big bad guy in the the decades of failed efforts to get comprehensive reform don't, done? Don't go too much in that because I want to I want to get it. But I just wanted to say I uh, the big overarching theme I've had since working on immigration reform here at Hoover is that the idea of comprehensive itself is the bad guy. Um, we need Congress to break down and try to solve this and vote on issue by issue. Right. So what we've done with these fourteen ideas to say, hey, where do the American people see? Uh, room for consensus, good ideas. And number one of those was uh, mandatory E-Verify, as you pointed out, which you'd think Democrats would be opposed to, and they're not. There are a majority of Democrats and a majority of Republicans that think, yeah, employers should verify that their workers are allowed to be here. Right. All right. Uh, the loser in this was open borders. Yeah. Uh, was it? I, I guess I wasn't surprised by that. I think um, it was way down. If not the bottom, it it's, was way down it's there. The Seven percent of a, of the American public strongly agree that we should have open borders. Thirty-seven percent strongly disagree. So again, um, there's got to be a limit uh, to being pro-immigration. And right. unfortunately, I think the Democratic Party is close to veering off the rails 
most Americans, independents and Democratic voters think having completely open borders is a recipe for disaster. I think the other area the Democrats might be in trouble is the sanctuary issue. Yep. In this regard, if Republicans link sanctuary policy to criminality, your poll suggests that they have a problem. That's because you had 14 reforms, one of which suggested prison sentences yeah. for return illegal immigrants, somebody coming in a second time who has a criminal past. Yeah. And you threw the book at them. I think you gave them 20, 15 <laughs> to 25-year sentences. <laughs> and the public likes that idea. They do. And that, this is not my idea. I was testing an idea that's already right. been proposed in Congress called Kate's Law. Mm-hmm. And, and a little context, I don't think President Trump would be president if a woman named Kate Steinle hadn't been killed within a few days of him announcing that he wanted to run and giving a speech right. on immigration. That happened close Kate, by here in San Francisco. Kate Stanley was a young girl uh, on a walk with her father at Pier 14 in San Francisco, yep. and a stray bullet kills her. Yep. And it turns out the bullet was allegedly, they have not gone to trial yet, but allegedly filed by somebody who was a legal immigrant yep. and had a very long criminal record. A criminal record and, ma- and numerous, numerous deportations where right. he was sent back to his home country and kept coming back in the U.S. So this law is a response to that. Now, it's yep. been demagogued by some, but I just I put it out there. I didn't call it Kate's Law. Right. I didn't mention Trump. This was, these were all neutral policies describing kind of dull language. So we, we asked, uh, do you believe in, in penalties, prison terms of 10 to 25 years? 35% strongly agree, 37% agree, only 9% strongly disagreed. So again, you see bipartisan support for this idea known as Kate's Law. This also goes back to what you said earlier, in which Americans have sort of, you know, very defined lines on this and that they are very compassionate when it comes to the idea of people coming to the country and people having opportunity, but also they are very passionate, have a very strong mind at the issue of criminality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, so if, if I could point some fingers here, uh, legal immigration is good. Illegal immigration, Americans tend to think is bad. The president's making a mistake by cutting down or supporting ideas uh, that would cut down legal immigration. American people don't want that. I think Democrats are making the mistake of saying uh, they can do no wrong. And the people, the American people, are much more tolerant of children who were brought here and giving them essentially an amnesty, uh, not so much law-breaking uh, criminals who are convicted of real crimes. Okay. Let's now approach this in two parts, Tim. Let's talk about the policy option, the smartest way to move policy forward in Congress. Okay. And then we'll quickly undo that by getting into the incredibly ugly politics of it. <laughs> so let's let's start on the high road. Let's talk policy. So I mentioned earlier that Trump has proposed uh, cutting refugee admissions in half. Uh, we know that Donald Trump has sat down in the White House with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and apparently they have agreed to protect the Greemers, the, what, 690,000 kids who came here uh, with parents who were legal immigrants and are protected under law right now. Trump will apparently extend that. But the question, Tim, if we think of this ultimately as trade-offs, bargains, quid pro quo, as a question of what the other half of the bargain is if the dreamers are half of the equation. We know in the Senate, for example, Tim, uh, Jim Lankford, he's a Republican senator from Oklahoma, Tom Tillis, Republican of North Carolina, they have introduced a conservative alternative to the DREAM Act, which does have bipartisan support, has some moderate Republican support, and Democrats want to pass as part of any deal. And, with and Trump. I think they're calling that the Succeed, Succeed Act. Very yeah. good. What it does is it 
puts legal status for immigrants on a more onerous question. It includes provisions barring them from taking advantage of existing laws that allow illegal immigrants to petition authorities to allow foreign relatives to come to the United States, for mm -hmm. example. Uh, critics of the law say it's going to foster chain migration. What is chain migration, Tim? Oh, so chain migration is uh, because we allow uh, legal immigrants and, and, frankly, people that aren't citizens. They're green card holders um, that they can sponsor their fam immediate family members to come in, and uh, that's got the bulk of legal visas. That's legislative. So, yeah, the president, to change that, would need to, need to work with Congress. And what uh, I understand this bill would do, the SUCCEED Act, would allow children who were brought here illegally to become, uh, to get legal status and essentially get a green card. But they wouldn't have those rights to then bring in parents as, uh, and, and immediate relatives as well. Right. So it would, would stop chain migration for that specific cohort. Okay, so that's what we have going on in the Senate. Now let's look over at the House. Enter a gentleman from North Carolina named Mark Meadows, who is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, which is what, Tim? Freedom Caucus. I think I've heard of them. It's yes, this is the, the <laughs> most conservative branch of the, it's essentially the Tea Party yep. side. A handful of Republicans who make life difficult for yeah. Paul Ryan when it comes to these votes. Mr. Meadows, Congressman Meadows, told reporters that his group is working on a list of policies that conservatives may want. And one of which is ending chain migration. They may want to mandate that employees use E-Verify. They've talked about an online federal system to determine people's eligibility to work. They talked up stepping up enforcement against those overstaying legitimate visas, and they've talked about limiting protections for those who seek asylum at yeah. U.S. borders. So sounds like just a lot of vegetables that they want to throw <laughs> into the stew, which will ultimately be immigration reform. So, Tim, that's what's in play here. So now let's let you play mad scientist, peace broker, if you will. But let's have you give Donald Trump the smart policy. So you're going to President Trump and say, Mr. President, number one, here's what the list of options I think should be. But then also, how do we approach this? This should yeah. be the mother of all bills, Tim, or it sounds like you want something different. You want to do this piece by piece. Absolutely. Blank by blank. Well, and, and I think we should recognize the president's already done something brilliant. And uh, if, I, if, if he ever wants to give me credit, great. But I, I've said for a long time, trying to do these big comprehensive bills that were done in the 80s with Reagan and done, you know, great compromises between Reagan and Tip O'Neill. 1965, Lyndon Johnson worked across the aisle. They passed bipartisan immigration reform. Our democracy really doesn't work that way. We, right. We're in a sort of a litmus test democracy. So you've got to have overwhelming support for a very narrow bill to get it passed, or you've got to abuse the system, right, and get Obamacare or something like that. Mm -hmm. So the president said immediately, I want to do right by the dreamers. I don't think it can be done through executive action. The president was outside, President Obama was outside of his constitutional bounds. But yeah, let's work. So he had, uh, he had drinks, dinner with uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And he said after that meeting, I understand the border wall won't be part of this bill. Finally. Because by saying you don't have to have these mandatory pieces that will appease this group, you can actually just get a workable, narrow bill. I think it's a stroke of genius. I don't know what's going to go in it finally. I think the Succeed Act may be the, the piece that gets across the uh, the finish line. But leaving things out is really important. We didn't mention it, by the way. Where did the border wall fit in those uh, 14 reforms that you floated to your it, poll? It, was, it wasn't at the bottom or the top. What I liked about that question, though, Bill, is we got the strongest agreement and the strongest disagreement. So it's basically divisive. Mm -hmm. You don't find a consensus against it or for it. And I think it's probably 
best settled on its own. Okay. So you keep that up. All right. So tell me what you put into the Tim Kaine solution. Well, what I put in is to get the DACA fix and get some border security that's not the wall, or let's maybe think of it as internal security. And remember, the number one policy idea was E-Verify. Mm-hmm. I would suggest trying to get a bill that would um, do some kind of E-Verify, maybe not in this first bill, mm-hmm. but in the bill that would then give legal status to all the illegal immigrants. You get grant regular status to them, but also implement E-Verify. Everybody really should be happy with that. Okay. Uh, what does a right get in the way of red meat? I think Kate's law is what I would couple with um, DACA to say, you know what, kids that are brought here illegally, yeah, let's give them legal status, but let's make sure we're putting in jail the potential criminals that are, as the president, we do have a drug problem with people coming here illegally to sell drugs. So, you know, let's jail those folks and and welcome the kids who are dreaming and and working and want to make America stronger. Easy. Okay. And if the left doesn't do red meat, they do low-fat, lean white meat. What is their lean white meat? (laughs) If you can't get behind a bill that gives legal status to almost a million kids who are going to school here, who want to go to college here, or are already trying to go to college, and are working, and are paying taxes, then you're hopeless. And that's what this strategy will do. You're going to lose the the people that don't really want to play anyway. They just want to do wedge issue stuff. I want to isolate those Democrats and those Republicans that have treated this as a wedge issue. but Tim, dreamers act, dreamers are a starter for the left. The left the left think they already have. Trump's already told them that they already have dreamers. So then what more if they're going to get a grand compromise and it's a bigger bill? So again, where do we go further on the left? You just can't give them dreamers alone. They're going to want something else. I I disagree. I you think you think they'll settle for dreamers and nothing else. I think. Th- And you have to recognize what you're dealing with here. So if you put yourself as a political advisor to the president, realize there's nothing that would would frustrate Democrats more, like Nancy Pelosi, than to see a Republican president get a win on immigration Mm -hmm. that would give these kids essentially an amnesty, right? They didn't want George Bush to get that, and they don't want Donald Trump to get it. But I would, like, put their feet to the fire, make them take a vote, and deny these kids legal status. I think a lot—I bet half the Democrats in this House would break with leadership if they told them to vote against it. Okay, so you've tossed into the pot. You've tossed in E-Verify, something cracking down on the border, making the border tougher. Yep. And you've thrown in the cracking down on illegal criminals here. Yeah. And and you've added the dreamers. I I think— the E-Verify is big. Uh, one of my friends in, in D.C. called it the, the, the mother of all bombs when it comes to enforcement. It's more important, it's more important than the wall. Uh-huh. And most illegal immigrants are overstays. They don't come over the wall. They come here legally as tourists or students, and they just stay. Um, but if you do E-Verify, you're really cracking down. So there has to be something bigger than Dreamers. It would probably be all illegal immigrants that are here now. So if you're just talking about the kids, I would couple that with Kate's law, with prison terms for um, people who are recidivist uh, uh, and criminals. Okay. Now let's talk about the politics of the situation. And past its prologue, let's take a trip back in time and kind of talk about how we got here. Okay. And to me, Tim, illegal immigration is to domestic politics what the situation in North Korea is in foreign policy. <laughs> And this is a problem that's been building since the early to mid-1990s. Yeah. And it's very appropriate that we're talking about that here in the Golden State, here in California, because we are ground zero for this problem in many respects. We have the nation's largest illegal population, obviously. But also, Tim, in 1994, we had a ballot measure, Proposition 187. I, I remember. I have a very personal stake in this because that's not only the year I came to California. I worked for Pete Wilson, the governor at the time, 
who supported the idea, championed it. <clears throat> Wilson wanted Washington's attention on illegal immigration. He was frustrated. His state had a big hole in its budget due to cost in schools, mm -hmm. cost of health care, and cost of prisons. He wanted Washington to pay for the money. Bill Clinton had come to San Diego, Tim, and said at a town hall meeting, send me the bill. I'll and, pay for it. And this was 1994? He Actually, this was 93 that he said. Okay. That. But in 94, this goes on the ballot. And it's a draconian measure. Don't get me wrong. It denies education for kids. It cuts off health care. It's as harsh as you can get. But it's a wake-up call, if you will. It passes with over 55% of the vote in California, Tim, which technically is a landslide. Mm -hmm. It's a very angry statement by a very angry population. And here is my concern about this. Here's, here's where I think we've gotten. I think you and I are going to disagree on this. Okay. But let's go for it. I think the bad guys in the immigration debate are Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton. And here's why. 1995, Bill Clinton is running for his political life. His party has been crushed at the midterm election. Republicans control both chambers of Congress for the first time in 40 years. Newt Gingrich, the new Speaker of the House, is on the cover of Time magazine, Tim. He's the most powerful man in Washington. Bill Clinton sees himself as a one-term act. Thus, he is open to making deals. This very Democratic president, this champion of Democratic policies, is in effect a very centrist, triangulating president. Mm -hmm. This is a president who will sign the Defense of Marriage Act in the dark. He will sign welfare reform. He will talk about the era of big government being over. If ever there's a time for an ascendant Republican Congress and a Democratic president to sit down and do a deal on legal immigration, nip this thing in the bud now that California is spoking, 1995 and 1996 is it, and they don't do it. So those are my bad guys, but you disagree. Yeah, I, just, I like your North Korea analogy. I mean, it's a vexing problem. It has been a vexing problem. Uh, how do you fix immigration for decades? Um, and every president has come in and talked about, we're going to do something on it, and we have to have a solution, yeah. and we want comprehensive reform. Comp and it goes on to their successor. And I think the question is, if it's the North Korea scenario, who are the Chinese? Mm -hmm. Who's enabling North Korea uh, in this situation. And I think the enablers, the people that actually like the status quo, is the Democratic partisans. I don't think Democratic voters like that. They actually have bought the Kool-Aid that they're, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Barack Obama were trying to solve things. Right. But we know that when there was that Kennedy-McCain compromise, Senator Barack Obama sabotaged it, put in a poison pill, because he'd rather have an issue than a bill. And, uh, and I, I just was so frustrated as someone who really wants reform, and I thought comprehensive was the way to make it happen. Now I think comprehensive is a way for the wedge people to keep, keep on wedging and not getting solutions because there's something in there that you can't vote for when you have a big stew with 20 different things in it. Right. I'm not going to eat anything with mushrooms in it. It's what I used to tell my mom. Um, so, no, you, you know, th there are Democrats that won't vote for a wall. There are Republicans that won't vote for anything they can call amnesty. Right. So you've got to break it up. You've got to do piece by piece. And, uh, and frankly, you know, again, the in the bad guy, um, gold medal winner Barack Obama, oh, no, we, this has to be legislative. I could never take uh, uh, executive action unless it's a few months before my reelection to a second term. And so it's in 2012 when he says DACA will be an executive action. We're going to grant uh, these, these children legal status. Um, but it'll be a temporary, in his words, quote, temporary stopgap measure. Right. Well, it's a hot potato. It's temporary. It only lasts three years. So you have to constantly renew it. And it's constantly this wedge issue instead of breaking it up and asking Congress just to grant legal status, not a pathway to citizenship. He never did that. 
He never did it as a legislative strategy, and I think that's um, with pretty ill intent. Right. Does the status quo work better, Tim, for Republicans or Democrats? Oh, I think it works best for both as they're constituted today. Mm -hmm. I think it would be really healthy for a democracy to see Democrats and Republicans work together on some issues mm -hmm. and leave out these wedge people on the fringes who right. are just voting against each other and completely ineffectual. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we may actually see here in 2017. Okay, so let's talk about how Congress and the President managed to do this without setting both of their respective bases on fire. We had a Senate race in Alabama earlier this week. We're, again, we're doing this podcast in late September, but this was a special election for the primary in Alabama. And Donald Trump's opponent, Luther Strange, the incumbent senator, replaced Jeff Sessions. Trump endorsed him. And Strange was quickly attacked as a swamp monster. Steve Bannon went down to Alabama and made this very personal. This is basically about two things. Number one, this was about Mitch McConnell and horrible deal-making Lincoln, Washington. But the second element he put in, Tim, was this is about immigration. Mm -hmm. About three weeks before the vote, uh, Judge Roy Moore, the, the upbrand, the firebrand who won the election, surprises, won the election, he was asked by an interviewer what he thought about DACA. Oh, right. And he didn't have an answer. He didn't know what <laughs> DACA was. <laughs> but DACA jumped into that Senate race prominently because of the issue of amnesty. Yeah. So, Tim, Donald Trump, who is not only, shall we say, flexible in his or pliant in his philosophy, he is we're still trying to figure out what he is a year into his presidency. Is mm -hmm. he really a Republican? Is he conservative? What, what exactly is Donald Trump? He's a dealmaker, I guess, ultimately, as we're seeing here. But where is Donald Trump's you know, firewall on immigration? And what happens as he tries to move forward in his solution and what's ultimately a compromise on this when he is going to probably get creamed by his base, by Rush Limbaugh, Laura Ingram, the angry talk radio people who are all going to shout that word amnesty? I doubt it. I doubt it. I think when I looked at uh, – when we did this poll, I think the president could easily cut a deal where, you know, 88 uh, percent of our respondents said politicians would rather fight over this problem than, mm -hmm. than solve it. And Donald Trump could – prove to be the unpolitician and actually be pragmatic. Um, I, I don't think he will lose uh, support. He'll probably gain support. And maybe there'll be some folks upset. But the, a lot of the things that he stood up for as well, like punishing sanctuary cities, putting people in prison who are repeat offenders, um, if he institutes E-Verify, his base can't be upset. Or, or, or they're just unconsolable and don't want to ever right. be satisfied with anyone. Right. And who needs them? Right. Now, let's take it through the Democratic filter, the Democratic kidney, if you will, which is a three-chamber kidney. And that kidney is labor. Mm -hmm. That kidney is minorities. And that kidney is now Bernie Sanders. Yeah. One of the great ironies of politics in 2017, the judge of things suitably Democratic, suitably progressive, is a guy who's not a Democrat, Bernie <laughs> Sanders. But what, would, what does Bernie want in immigration? I, I I don't think Bernie's a good representative of this because he's actually got his finger up in the wind. He You could see him waffle during right. the election and during the primaries because he knows the Democratic base now has become very hardened. As I said, they're the ones and the twos. They want to be I, completely yeah, uh, I, I, open. I asked, this, I asked this, Tim, because Bernie Bernie's obsessions are what? Obviously, single-payer health care and uh, bashing Wall Street, yep. income inequality. Uh, I don't hear much about him on, on immigration, no. but— the Bernie, the Bernie Eastas, the Sanderistas out there, what do they want? The, the, the history of Bernie Sanders is he's a you know, hard union left guy. Right. That's what socialism's all about, the working man. And the working man, frankly, uh, uh, doesn't care about the poorest. 
historically. They want to have a minimum wage because it would block minorities from coming and taking good middle-class jobs from the working man. Um, they liked blocking illegal immigration. So you find some great heroes of socialism who are hostile to immigration. That's where Bernie was. Now, modern-day uh, Sanders supporters on the hard left now, they're very pro-immigration. So you've seen him change, not his movement. Okay. Now let's take it through Donald Trump. This is a man who was elected promising what? We're going to get rid of the bad people out of this country. We're going to make sure people abide by the laws. And we're going to build a big, beautiful wall. So That's Tim, right. Tim, how does Donald Trump sell this to the American people if immigration reform is sans big, beautiful wall? Yeah. I don't think uh, he should give up on the big, beautiful wall. As a policy wonk, I'll tell you, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, you can build it and uh, and you could not build it. That, that's not where the source of the illegal immigration problem is. Um, I do believe that we should have border security. And so I think the American people are probably going to be net-net with him on that. But he wins by being the unpolitician, by being pragmatic, by being a deal-maker. And I Bill, I don't see him getting reelected unless he does some unconventional things. If he just gets pigeonholed as a creature of Steve Bannon in the far right, I, I don't. He's not going to win uh, in what three years? Right. We're getting close. So um, he may recognize that, and uh, and and if he does, if he does become the the compromiser and the pragmatic guy and the deal maker, and he gets some wins to the consternation of the hard left and the hard right, uh, you might see a second term for Donald Trump. Okay. You look at tax reform, which has just been rolled out now, and there's a certain urgency to it mm -hmm. in terms of getting the economy moving uh, better, but also Trump, like the Cubs needed to hoist a W. Obamacare, Trump said he wants to go after it again next year. Won't give up on it. What is the urgency on immigration? On immigration, mm -hmm. not tax reform. I don't know. I, th I think the urgency is that he's given the six-month window for DACA. The DACA kids, uh, that, that executive action was given six months, and then they're going to phase it out. So we're probably down to five months. Um, but unfortunately, there's not a lot of urgency on immigration outside of that. It's always been a hot potato that the fringes like keeping alive. So credit to the president that he's actually trying to take executive action. He's trying to get some things done. A lot of it's his initiative and in trying to honor commitments he made as a candidate. Right. But there would be a certain urgency, I would say, in terms of <clears throat> a midterm election coming up next year. Oh, yeah. There's, oh. Always, there's always that. Oh, yeah, that. So <clears throat> when do you roll this out, Tim? Next spring? I, yeah, I think that they're, they're under some pressure. You see, like you said, Senator Tillis and Lankford are, are moving on this with great urgency. So this is a chance for them to get a win, and I think it breaks up. As I've said, I perceive this in my worldview as there's a Democratic alliance that doesn't want Republicans any wins on immigration. And if they get a win, a compromise win nonetheless, that's kind of centrist, um, there's urgency to do that. That would benefit Republicans in the next election, and it would benefit a lot of those swing district Republicans. You walked into my final question. So Donald Trump is trying to sell tax reforms, beginning by going into red states that have Democratic senators up for re-election in 2018. He's gone to Nevada. Excuse me, he's gone to North Dakota. He has gone to Missouri. He most recently went to Indiana. So mm -hmm. he's looking at the most vulnerable Democratic senators. And that's just plain common sense. Mm -hmm. Immigration, though, it's a much more complicated political map. We can mm -hmm. agree. So let's put on your political strategist hat for a second. Mr. President, you got to go on the road and sell this. Tim, where do you send them? I was surprised to see there's the pretty consistent opinion that's pro-immigration. It's in the Midwest. It's not just a Western phenomenon. We know there are a lot of immigrants in California and Texas right. and Nevada. But we find uh, in the Midwest, 
They're pretty strong memories that our heritage is Irish and Polish and right and German. So um, it it's not really unpopular anywhere to be seen as a centrist and a deal maker on immigration. So I I think he could go to Indiana or Wisconsin. I think there's an election in Ohio, um, and and if the Democrats get pinned as the folks trying not to get things done, right. um, that's not going to help them. Yeah, there's a Senate election. Another state you might look at is Minnesota. Why Minnesota? It has a strong Nordic population, as we know, and also I think it's the has the most vulnerable Democratic district, states that voted for Trump and voted for a Democratic congressman. Yeah, Viking territory. Viking territory. <laughs> Good stuff. Tim Kaine, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Bill. Good job on the poll. Look forward to having it online. If you want to see more about the poll, it's certainly going to be on Tim's Twitter feed. And we're going to give you that in a minute. It'll be on the Hoover website. And you're doing the event on October the October 12th, 12th. with Michael Barone in Washington, D.C. Have you ever done an event with Michael Barone? I've, uh, I've met him and had had great conversations. I don't think we've done an event together. He is just about the scariest smart guy in Washington yeah. when it comes to just raw political knowledge. Oh, district by district. District by, he's the man who authored the Almanac, and gee, how's Minnesota 5 looking, Tim? Yeah, Boy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Five minutes on that. Tim, thanks for coming by. My pleasure, Bill. Good talking to you. You've been listening to Area 45, a Hoover Institution podcast on the policy choices confronting America's 45th president. You can find the Hoover Institution online at www.hoover.org. While you're there, I encourage you to sign up for the Hoover Daily Report, which sends the best work of Hoover Fellows, most certainly including Tim Kaine, straight to your inbox. You can also find the Hoover Institution on Facebook and on Twitter, and our Twitter handle is at HooverInst. That's at Hoover, I-N-S-T. Dr. Timothy Kane is also on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at TimmerKane. That is at T-I-M-M-E-R-K-A-N-E. Go on there and ask him a question as to why he calls himself Timmer Kane. For the Hoover Institution, this is Bill Whalen. We'll be back soon with another installment of Area 45. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more podcasts from the Hoover Institution, please visit hoover.org or Hoover's channels on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. I'm Chris Dower for the Hoover Institution. Thanks for listening.